I've never even received an opportunity for the heavyweight title. And people back there need to be fired and thrown in jail for that fact. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. And you're listening to Snug Wrestling. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. That's right. You are tuned into Snug Wrestling, where it's wrestling all day, every day. And now here is your host, Edgar Avila. It is revolution season over in AEW as they are also approaching their next big pay-per-view on March 3rd. So with this event coming up that I'm sure is going to be jam-packed with a ton of matches. And when I mean jam-packed, I mean like this pay-per-view event is going to have at least 10 matches because that's what AEW normally does on their pay-per-views. So on this episode of Dynamite, we got an episode full of tune-up matches and previews of what we can expect to see at AEW Revolution. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Snug Wrestling. I am Edgar. I am your host. And if we are expecting to see anything that we saw from this episode on Dynamite on the pay-per-view, then, oh boy, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, um, well, it's going to be a long night. Let's just leave it at that for now. So let's get into AEW Dynamite. Let's go. Dynamite started with some tag team wrestling action with one of the greatest tag teams in the world versus Claudio and one of the worst wrestlers in the world, John Moxley. And I'm not just talking about Moxley from AEW when I say this. When I say this, I also mean Dean Ambrose as well. I mean, The Miz is still a more believable wrestler and a way better wrestler than John Moxley, just saying. But hey, at least we get to see good old Cass and Dax well on John Moxley. So that's always good. And Moxley, you better watch out for that cash fellow. He trained with Arn Anderson, and he'll pull out that thing on you if you know what I mean. Guns. I was talking about guns. Just to clarify for all you nasties out there with your nasty minds. Last week, the Blackpool Combat Club were the heels because they were standing over the beat-up bodies of FTR and were getting booed. But this week, FTR were the ones doing the healing during this match. FTR, they were the ones trying to cheat to get the advantage behind the referee's back. And the Blackpool Combat Club built up the hot tag for Claudio. So, I guess the Blackpool Combat Club are back in the territory days because depending on what city they're in that pretty much determines if they're heels or baby faces it's really annoying trying to keep up with all of that and typical no sell john moxley got superplexed by dax hardwood and immediately put up his knees to counter a splash by cash wheeler then grab a chokehold on dax hardwood right after then ftr and the bcc went back and forth until the time ran out and the match ended in a time limit draw so this match ended ended in the tie the fight continued after the match but at least they are trying to build something here which will most likely end up in a stipulation match at revolution hopefully and i say hopefully because it kind of sort of feels like ftr doesn't really get put on in a lot of these aew pay-per-view matches i believe last time ftr was on a aew pay-per-view was in that multi-tag team match and it was a ladder match with a bunch of other teams but i would like to see FTR get a good old classic tag team match on a AEW pay-per-view. And let's talk about the international champion Orange Cassidy, who got interviewed by Renee. And Orange Cassidy, he has... 
had a really busy schedule lately. He was forced to head over across the sea to watch Fulham with his good old buddy Tony Khan. And a lot of people say that he was forced to go out there because by the looks of the pictures of him at the soccer match or the football match, he did not look very happy to be there or very eager. Could have been jet lag. Could have been a whole night of partying with Tony Khan. Or it could have been that Orange Cassidy was still in character as his sloth style gimmick. Then they went over to Ref Pro to watch AEW Willie's last match. Willie Ospreay, Will Ospreay in the Indies before officially making it over to AEW where Orange Cassidy also defended his international championship at Rev Pro versus seven other men. And Renee, good old Renee, was running down the list of all of these things Orange Cassidy has done in the past few weeks. And to try to add more credibility, there was an AEW trainer or doctor standing by to confirm that Orange Cassidy, even after all of these matches, the Texas death match, and everything Orange Cassidy has been doing, he is still clear to compete. And oh, Orange Cassidy is so badass. What a champ. What a workhorse. That is so cool, man. Orange Cassidy is so unstoppable. No. AEW has proven time and time again that you can get hit over the head with the cinder block. You can take eight finishers, nine Canadian destroyers, get put through multiple tables, and you can still kick out at two. So no, I'm sorry, but just know, no matter how hard AEW tries to sell Orange Cassidy to the fans of being this big, badass, unbeatable guy, or however many times Excalibur tries to say how unreal Orange Cassidy is, none of this is going to make me care or want to see this match at Revolution. Except maybe Roderick Strong. He's alright in the ring. They should put more focus on Roderick Strong and on what he can do in the ring. That will really get this match over. Then we went to Orange Cassidy versus Mike Bennett. They did a jump start. Then they got in the ring. The referee called for the bell when Bennett wasn't even ready and he was still staggering. And I didn't need to see this match to know what was going to happen. The way that Bennett has been presented on this show as a job guy and Orange Cassidy is this great, impressive, unstoppable athlete. I spared myself the 15 or 20 minutes or however long this match went for. And because Jake Hager is scheduled to have a tune-up match with Roderick Strong on Rampage, Jake Hager came out to save Orange Cassidy from the afterbirth after this match. Jake Hager got a big superhero pop from the crowd for this random unexpected save made out of nowhere. And spoiler alert, Jake Hager did the job for Roderick Strong before Roderick Strong's match at Revolution. This match was taped right after this episode of Dynamite for it to air on Friday, February 23rd. Roderick Strong got the win over Jake Hager. Cool Hand and Ruby Soho, they're apparently dating now. This love slowly formed over time on the other show that no one watches, Rampage. And it's making its way over to Dynamite now, which is the main show. And we're expected to know what the fuck is going on here. But not everyone does because not everyone knows what is going on on Rampage. So why bring this over to Dynamite? If the people are going to watch Rampage, they're going to know what's going on with these two. But more than 
than half of the people that watch Dynamite don't watch Rampage. But yeah, we're expected to care and we're expected to know what's going on with all of this. Ric Flair was in the building. We haven't seen him in a while. And Flair said that he is disappointed in this whole situation with the Sting match. Well, so are a lot of people, Rick, and not just you. We're all very disappointed in how all of this with Sting's retirement match and the Young Bucks is going down. Rick also said that he thought he would be more involved and is now exploring more options, whatever that means. I have it on good authority that Ric Flair has been wanting to turn heel in AEW since he got there. Ric Flair is a better heel. He's always been a heel. He's always enjoyed being a heel way more. It's more fun for him, and it's just what he's good at. Ric Flair even wanted to be the heel in his last match at the Flair's last match pay-per-view. So Ric Flair wanted to be the heel on his own final retirement match, but it wasn't allowed by the booker of that show. And who's my source? Trust me, bro. That's my source. No, I'm kidding. It was actually Conrad Thompson's Ric Flair's son-in-law who said all of this about Ric Flair wanting to be a heel in AEW and also wanting to be a heel in his own retirement match. And it looks like AEW is going to turn Ric Flair a heel, even though no one wants to see Ric turn on Sting on Sting's retirement match, because why? But it is AEW, and Tony Khan just gives everyone the freedom to do whatever the fuck they want there. So, Ric Flair was seen knocking on the Bucks locker room door, and ooh, things are getting interesting now, apparently. Tony Schiavone did an in-ring interview with Daniel Garcia, because Adam Copeland can't compete, so Garcia is going to be the one facing Christian at Revolution for the TNT title. But why? What the fuck? What is going on with this? What did I miss? Is Copeland actually injured? Or was he written off last week after that concerto? Was this the plan all along to have Garcia face Christian instead? Or was this an audible? What is going on here, people? Someone help me out here because I am so confused right now. Christian versus Copeland was one of the few matches that was supposed to take place at Revolution with the long working build from way even the last paper review this match had a history had an angle had some teeth but instead we're gonna get another random cold match that just got put together out of nowhere and it just seems like okay well copeland can't compete let's just put garcia on there just to have the tnt title on the pay-per-view there's gonna be like 10 other matches on this show would anyone even notice if the tnt title wasn't on the show but i mean good for garcia either way for taking advantage of every single opportunity AEW is given him since day one. I mean, AEW has really been shoving Garcia down our throats since the very beginning to try to get him over. So here's another chance for him to do just that. And with Christian's help, I think Garcia will make it there or at least get one step closer to getting there. Since this match was just announced, AEW had to turn up the heat on this really quick because we only have a couple more weeks until the pay-per-view. Christian brought up Garcia's mom and his dead dad. So let's Let's see if Garcia can get something out of this feud with Christian. Tony Storm had a tune-up squash match. Then Deanna Perrazzo had a tune-up match. But this match wasn't a squash match because her competitor was someone named Madison Rain, who actually got some offense on Perrazzo. And the announcers actually mentioned Madison's name a few times. So that tells me that she is someone, maybe from Ring of Honor. I don't know because I've never actually seen her in my entire life. Is Madison going to win this match? Of course 
course not. So I didn't watch this. I fast forward. Then later I saw that the internet was blowing up over this match because, well, it wasn't very good, unfortunately, just to put it simply. I had high hopes for Deanna Peraza, but lately, her last few matches... Oh, man, they've been kind of rough. My boy, Darby, my new favorite wrestler in AEW, after cutting that very entertaining promo and very honest promo that made me pop last week, cut another promo on the Bucks, and get this, he actually talked about the beatdown that they received from the Bucks with the baseball bats that got the blood smeared all over the white suits. That happened a couple weeks ago, so Dave, don't you worry. Don't you get your panties in a bunch. AEW still loves you. They still listen to you, and they talked about the beatdown just like you asked them to. Stink tried to make this match personal with the Bucks because the Bucks attacked his kids, and Stink brought up some unfortunate news about his dad passing, and according to Excalibur, those were some chilling, heartfelt words, and things are getting very serious now, but it's the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks and the word serious, those are two words that you will never hear in the same sentence, not even if Sting is involved, but Wardlow. Wardlow did an in-ring promo after telling Shivani to fuck off and leave the ring before he knocks his ass down again. I'm waiting for the day where Shivani is gonna snap and pull out that Cash Wheeler and Arn Anderson gimmick on one of those heel wrestlers for all the shit that they've been saying to poor old Shivani. And Wardlow got himself over in a big way finally. This is like Wardlow's second promo in AEW ever since he first started there. This was also a lot better than the last promo he did because like Darby Allen last week, Wardlow spoke the truth about the company again and how some of the people in the back in AEW need to get fired because they don't know what the fuck they're doing and he's 100% right. This is something that a lot of people have been saying about AEW, including me, on this show, Snug Wrestling. And I get a lot of heat for it, but when their own wrestlers are saying this, it's like, hello, get the wax out of your ears, people, open up your eyes, see what's actually happening here. AEW dropped the ball with Wardlow a long time ago. Wardlow started off hot, they had something with Wardlow, and they did nothing with him. Imagine if AEW did with Wardlow what they're doing now with Swerve. The second Swerve started getting hot and started picking up some steam, it was sky's the limit for Swerve, and that's awesome. But we don't really see that a whole lot in AEW, it seems like. All AEW does, instead of focusing on the potential talent they already have in the company, they bring in more and more guys that think they're huge household names and present them in these dream matches, and people like Wardlow get overlooked. Wardlow reminded everyone, MJF, took him out. CM Punk took him out. The current champ, Samoa Joe, choked him out and beat him. So what the fuck? What does that make me? And again, Wardlow, you're absolutely right. This is why people are saying that some people in AEW are better off in the WWE. And I truly believe Wardlow would be one of them. Then the main event, we had some trios action involving all three of the competitors for the AEW World Championship match at Revolution. This is a preview of what to expect of what we're going to see at Revolution. But besides the preview, how did this six-man tag team match help build the main event at the pay-per-view? What were we supposed to get? 
out of this match. Samoa Joe and Swerve were on the same team, so are we expected to see them work together at the pay-per-view versus Hangman? I just didn't understand the point of this match. These guys went like 20 minutes. They did a bunch of sloppy shit to each other, and Samoa Joe choked out RVD. And to make matters worse, after the match, the camera was pointing at Hangman, and Hangman was... You can visibly see Hangman waving down the cameraman like, get the camera out of my face. I don't want you recording me right now. And then it turned out that after the match, Hangman Adam Page was seen limping out of the arena, and now it is being reported that Hangman fractured himself during this match. Not only was this match completely pointless, one of the guys in the main event could potentially be injured before the pay-per-view. So again, what were we supposed to get out of this match? That was the main event. Enough said. And that was AEW Dynamite. Let me know what you guys thought about this. Hit me up. At Snug Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk soon.